Welcome to the Battle Cry Podcast with Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler. You can watch the original live broadcast Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Convention of States Facebook and Rumble channels. Good evening, everyone. Mark Meckler here with your Sunday night battle cry. Things are crazy out there right now. They're crazy locally, I would say, here in Texas. Our legislature's in a special session. I don't know what they're going to do. Lord knows if the House of Representatives can accomplish anything here in Texas. Uh, we are crazy on the international front. Obviously, what's going on in Israel, horrible, terrible tragedy in Israel that continues to unfold. And I think that fight is going to be ongoing for some time. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. You can't not talk about Israel with everything that's going on. And then we're going to talk about the conflagration here at home, the political fight going on in the United States House of Representatives. Uh, so let's get right to it and open with that. My call to you, uh, my request to you, my action item this week is call your congressman. And, you know, I rarely say call your congressman because I just don't think it does much good. But I think we need to call our congressman and just ask him, what are you doing? Like, get a speaker, get your act together. You have the majority. You need to do something with that majority. Right now, all you're doing is fighting like a bunch of cats and dogs with each other and not doing anything with your majority. So I would say call your congressman, tell them to elect a speaker. And when I say elect a speaker, like I'm serious about this, any speaker, just elect a speaker so that you can move forward with the business of being a governing majority. Show the American people that you can govern as majority. Show conservatives that you can do conservative things. Show Republicans that you care about your own party I don't know, just do something. Right now, my question is, what are they doing? I really don't understand this. Uh, so you go through to Friday, Jim Jordan goes to a third round of voting, and instead of increasing his vote count, it looks like he's lowered his vote count. So I think there were 20 in the last round that voted against him. Now 25 have voted against him. I don't know what they're gonna do with this mess. I, re like, I really don't know. Right now, it looks more like maybe somebody nobody is even considering is going to end up as speaker. I don't know that that's a good thing or a bad thing. Here's my perspective on Republicans in the House of Representatives. I'm a conservative. So for me, not even about Republicans or Democrats, I don't really care about the name. I want to see conservatives do good things in the House of Representatives. And I know that this original maneuver uh, by Gates and company, I've heard people refer to them as the great eight the people who voted against retaining McCarthy as speaker. Uh, I don't think it's working out so great right now. That's my perspective. I always want to know when you create chaos, what's your plan for coming out of the chaos? Chaos for chaos sake is generally bad. I know I've heard people make the argument. I respect them for making the argument. I don't agree with it, but I've heard people make the argument saying, we just needed to shake things up. You know, a lot of times when you just shake things up, what you end up getting is just chaos, just broken pieces, just things shaken up. And a lot of times what comes out of chaos and things being broken is things being worse. It's not actually necessary or even reasonable or rational that to think that things are gonna come out better, right? When you take a puzzle that's all put together and you break up all the pieces and you shake it up in a jar and you pour it out on the table, it doesn't come out as a nice, neat picture. It comes out as a jumbled mess normally. So if you want to bring order out of chaos, you've got to have some plan for what that order looks like, 
what's the picture in your mind or your plans on paper of what you want to build? What are we actually accomplishing with this speaker fight? And right now, I don't see anything. And again, this is not partisan from me. This is not because I'm a McCarthy fan. It's not because I'm a Jim Jordan fan. By the way, I, I really do like Jim Jordan. I am a Jim Jordan fan, but that's not what I'm talking about right now. I want to know what the plan is. I want to know what this is accomplishing for conservatives. I heard Chip Roy being attacked this week in the news as being some sort of, God, people referred to him as some sort of liberal cuck. I mean, just, are you kidding me? Chip Roy, who's been one of the most steadfast conservatives in Congress, he is calling on Congress to stay in until no matter what, they have a new speaker elected. And I agree with him. Get on with the dang business of Congress. Do conservative things. Do the things that people elected you to do as opposed to having this internecine squabble that seems to be going according to no plan, nobody's plan. Actually, it may be going according to Democrats' plan. I think the Democrats are going to use this all the way through the election, saying that Republicans are incapable of governing. All they're going to do is infight. And, and they're going to elevate this over and over. They're going to show Republican attacks on Republicans in their campaign advertising. They're going to use this to depress the Republican base. They're going to use this to inspire moderates to vote Democrat. <laughs> they're going to say Democrats at least can get things done. Now, I'm not always a fan of getting things done, to be straight, but there are political consequences, electoral consequences to things that people do publicly when they're in office. And my opinion is what the Republicans really ought to be doing is closing the doors to their caucus and figuring this the heck out. Just get it done. Figure it out. Do something productive for Republicans, for your own team, for the American people. Get it figured out. Act like adults right now. I feel like the caucus mostly acting like a bunch of children. I find the whole thing very frustrating. I find I'm troubled watching it moment by moment. I have trouble doing that. I mean, I don't want to do that. It's just annoying to me right now. So I would say call your congressman, tell them to get a speaker in place immediately. Part of the reason that we need to do this is the world's on fire. And so meanwhile, you guys are having this squabble among yourselves and we have got the hottest situation internationally, maybe of my lifetime. I mean, I'd have to really think about that, but this is a really difficult, bad situation in Israel. Obviously, started by Hamas, a slaughter of civilians of barbaric proportion and intensity. And one of the things that I want to encourage you to do is to watch it closely. And by watching it closely, what I really mean first and foremost, is something that's hideous and uncomfortable, which is watch the videos. I don't know how many hours of videos I've watched now. I've watched children being ripped from the arms of mothers. I've watched innocent Israelis being gunned down by barbaric, disgusting, vile terrorists. I've watched videos, the GoPro videos from the terrorists that have been, now the, the videos have been captured of them planning this attack, of them executing this attack, of them slaughtering innocent men, women, and children, and enjoying it. I watch those videos, and those videos are burned into my psyche. I will never forget the things I've seen. I'm not doing it because I like that stuff. You know, for, for my friends and family that know me closely, and now I'm sharing with you because you're my friends and family, I can't watch horror movies. I mean, I know some people enjoy them. I can't watch them. Uh, those images stay with me. They, 
give me nightmares. They make me really uncomfortable. I don't like to put bad images into my head. I always say, you know, garbage in, garbage out. So I just don't like that stuff. I don't like watching violence. It's just not my thing. I know some people do. I'm not criticizing you. If you like horror movies and all this stuff, I understand they're not real, but I, I just don't like that kind of imagery. I'm watching all this stuff. I'm watching Israeli citizens talk about the ones who survived, what happened to them and what they saw and the permanent trauma inflicted upon them and on all of Israeli society. And I'm watching it and I'm forcing myself to watch it because we need to know the face of evil. In the West, a lot of us don't focus on evil. We don't see much evil up close. We live in a very protected society. Most of us don't really want for anything seriously. Uh, most of us don't really suffer seriously. We don't watch loved ones killed in front of us. We've never personally had babies snatched from arms, children killed by terrorists. It's just not something that we experience in the United States of America. We don't experience the threat of that on a regular basis. And so I don't think that we truly necessarily understand or comprehend what real evil looks like. And what you saw in Israel with this attack was true evil. It was the face of Satan. It is hell unleashed on earth. And you need to see it. And you need to contend with that and grapple with that. And your response and what you think Israel's response should be and what you think the United States' response should be, what you think the world's response should be, needs to be colored by the reality of what happened. And this is the reality facing Israel every day. And we saw this big attack. We pay attention to this big attack. But Hamas has been launching rockets into Israel consistently on and off for years. They've been building the terror tunnels for years. These are not the first Israeli citizens killed in that conflict. Hezbollah in the north has been launching rockets on Israel for years. These are terrorist entities, essentially unofficial nation states operating out of nearby territories or countries that are dedicated to Israel's entire destruction. And it is based on millennial old Jew hatred. And Jew hatred is now running rampant in the world. Uh, you know, if you don't already know, I say it openly all the time. I'm a Jewish Christian. I'm Jewish by origin, both sides of my family, Ukrainian Jews emigrated to this country. I'm very proud of that culture and that heritage. And my family is very Jewish in its culture. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior um, about 10 years ago, almost exactly 10 years ago. That doesn't make me any less Jewish. And so I personally, as a Jew, have a connection to the Jewish homeland. I understand the history of the Holocaust. I understand that the Jews have to have a homeland or the world will continue to work to eradicate them. And in fact, the world will continue to work to eradicate them. Jews have to have a place where they can collect and feel safe. And that is what Israel is. And yet Jew hatred runs rampant in the region and Jew hatred runs rampant all over the world. And you will see it if you watch clearly. In the U.S., you will see it right here in the U.S. If you want to see what's going on in the U.S., it's taking place at multiple levels. One, the general public. If you look at the polling, the polling is generally good right now. People understand that Hamas is evil. People understand that there's no acceptable way to justify what Hamas did and what the Palestinian civilians did as they poured into Israel, participated in the killing and the stealing and the looting. That, that went on, by the way. They came in, they stole tractors and bicycles and televisions. Regular Palestinian civilians did this after the slaughters that took place on the kibbutzim. And so I think that 
the American people broadly understand this. The polling is good. I'm going to say something that I don't normally say, which is the president has been good on this issue. Not perfect, but pretty darn good. Seems to me, to the extent he knows what's going on, his heart is in the right place. He's obviously seen some of the videos. He called this the face of evil. He says we're going to stand by Israel. I don't think the administration is so good behind the scenes. I'm hearing we had one member of the State Department resign over our support for Israel, over arming Israel. I think there's more of that going on behind the scenes from what I'm hearing. So I think you've got the level of the public, pretty good support for Israel. You've got the level of the, the administration, the president himself, pretty good. Administration, not great. State Department, not great. Wavering, Tony Blinken, wavering, but having to walk it back on his wavering because President Biden's been fairly strong on the issue. And then drop down into some of our other institutions, the media, mixed bag. I know people love to hate on the media. People on the right love to hate on the media, but I'm watching CNN. I'm watching Anderson Cooper be good on this issue, right? I'm watching on The View, the majority of the hosts be good on this issue so far and really speak out in favor of Israel and against baby killing, raping, murdering, kidnapping terrorists, right? I'm seeing this. I'm seeing it on, on some places where I'm just shocked to see it. I appreciate that. Some of the media, not so good, outright dishonest. We saw this in the bombing of the hospital in Gaza. The media immediately ran with Hamas's story that this was a rocket from Israel and 500 people were killed and the hospital was destroyed. Pretty quickly proven false, right? It was an Islamic Jihad rocket. The videotape is clear. The communications from Hamas members are clear that it was one of their own rockets and it didn't destroy the hospital and it didn't kill 500 people. By the way, Hamas on record repeatedly saying that they lie about this. Everybody knows that any journalist that's in, in Gaza or in the West Bank is controlled by Gazan authorities or West Bank authorities who are in control of the media. If you want to be there and you're a foreign journalist, you're only going to say what Hamas wants you to say. If you say anything else, you're going to be expelled or you're going to be killed. Everybody knows that. This is public knowledge. Everybody knows that Hamas instructs its members and its leaders and its citizens to lie about everything that happens. That is an open instruction, right? So this is what happens. You will hear claims in the media how Israel lies. There was a single shooting uh, a while ago of a journalist. I believe this was in the West Bank. And they will cite the case of that journalist and say Israel first denied that it was their soldiers that shot this journalist. And Israel indeed said, we don't know. It wasn't clear. And Israel, by the way, did an investigation, came out and said it was one of our officers that shot the journalist. Right? So Israel admits when they're wrong. Sometimes they would get it wrong. I mean, it happens in war. But in this case, the footage is clear. The conversations are clear. And some journalists still have not retracted their blood libel against the Jews that this is something that Israel did. And this fomented violence on what's called the Arab street all over the world all over the Middle East, in Europe, in the United States, the Israelis bombing innocent people in hospitals. It's not what Israel does. And so the media, okay, but not great. Get down to the level of another institution, our schools, our universities. These, these are cesspools of moral equivalency. These are vile, disgusting places filled with people who are supporting a terrorist organization. Harvard, UPenn, 
all across the country, this is going on where student organizations, professors, university presidents refusing to condemn Hamas, protests and parades in favor of Hamas. When we say Hamas, you have to say right behind Hamas, rapists, baby killers, torturers, kidnappers, right? Watch the videos. The things that I'm saying are not just rhetoric. And on our university campuses, this is going on. If you give money or you know people who give money to these universities, stop or you're supporting this. You're supporting the intellectual and the moral rot and decay in the United States of America. I saw a video last night of a high school in San Francisco where students were marching up and down the halls wearing keffiyeh, uh, Muslim head, head garb, right? The traditional scarves that you see Palestinians wear and chanting in favor of Hamas, chanting for Palestine to be free from the river to the sea. What they mean by that is wipe out Israel from the Jordan River to the sea. That's all of Israel. It's a high school in San Francisco. This is in our country. Since 9-11, I heard a number this week that roughly 2.3 million Muslims from Islamist countries have migrated to the United States of America. Now, I want to be very clear about this because I'm going to get accused of Islamophobia, of, of being anti-Muslim and all this stuff. So I want to be super clear about this. Islamophobia means fear of Islam. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm not afraid. I'm armed. I'm vigilant. But do I fear that Islam and militant Islam are an infection, infecting our society, infecting all over the world with the idea that Islam and the caliphate and the Muslim theocracy needs to take over the world? Do I fear that? Do I worry about that? Of course I do. Any rational person should. When you see the end game of it, you're seeing that in Israel. Remember that they say, first we kill the Saturday people and then they kill the Sunday people. If you're a Christian, they mean you. When they say the Sunday people, that's what they mean. They intend to dominate the entire world and they intend to put it under a caliphate, under Islamic rule. So anybody who doesn't think about that or isn't concerned about that with 1.25 or 1.24 billion Muslims on the face of the earth, you should be. 2.3 million Muslims emigrated to the United States from Islamist countries. I assume, I hope I'm correct in this, that a lot of those people emigrated to escape what they were living under, like really hardcore Islamic theocracies. They wanted to be free. They aspired to a lot of the same stuff you and I aspire to. And on an individual basis, I presume that about people. But let's presume that only 1% of those people are terrorists. Maybe they came to be terrorists here in the United States, came to be sleeper cells, that would be 23,000 terrorists in the United States of America. Our southern border right now, wide open. We know for sure at least 150 roughly people on the terrorist watch list have been caught crossing our southern border. How many gotaways? Well, there are a lot of gotaways. I think the last figure I heard was over, certainly over a million gotaways, 1.8 million maybe. Uh, how many of those are people from countries that are hostile to our interests. How many of those people are actual terrorists coming into the country? Right? We know there are Chinese nationals coming in. We know there are people from all over the world coming. We don't know who they are. Even the people who are getting caught are really not being vetted. So we have no idea. So I would say we have this festering disease in our country. And by that, I don't mean Islam. I'm not saying your neighborhood mosque is suspect or the Islamic center down the street is suspect. I'm saying on a broad scale, 
We have to be vigilant and cautious. We need to seal our southern border. We need to investigate anybody and everybody coming in, especially those who are coming from Islamist countries. I think that's incredibly important. We better get on it right now. We got to stop this garbage at the universities, this garbage at the schools. I would say if I was a parent and I had a kid at UC Berkeley or UPenn or any Ivy League school or any place, any of this stuff is going on and the administration isn't stopping it, you should stop writing the checks and pull your kids out of that school now. If you're in a public school and any of this stuff is going on in a public school, pull your kid out of it. Honestly, they'd be better with no education than this kind of indoctrination. This indoctrination is taking place inside our federal government. We have people in our federal government that support this stuff. Representative Rashida Tlaib, Tlaib, however you pronounce it, she's a Hamas-supporting terrorist. Yeah, we have a terrorist, somebody who supports terrorism, serving in the United States Congress. And I think that goes for others. Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, uh, I, I would say... Uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, except for she doesn't have enough stuff in her brain to even know what she's supporting. She's admitted on camera that she doesn't know anything about the Middle East, but they refuse to unequivocally condemn Hamas and, uh, and especially Rashida Tlaib. Why do we have a terrorist supporter inside the United States Congress? What have we become and why have we become that? It's because people take advantage of our tolerance. And we have now as a society set tolerance as our highest value. We are tolerant, so much so as a society, that we are tolerant of intolerance. We are tolerant of terrorists, of the idea of terrorism in our country. We are tolerant of that, except for, of course, people who are conservatives, who maybe are like a grandma that goes in for a peaceful tour of the Capitol, gets arrested and thrown in jail because she was there on January 6th. Those people we're not tolerant of, but terrorists supporting Congress people, oh yeah, they have every right to do that, right? There was actually an insurrection that took place in a congressional office building this week, and over 100 people came in. They disrupted the proceedings. That was their intent. It's illegal. I want to know how many of them will be hunted down in a manhunt, thrown in jail, deprived of their rights, held without bail, and ultimately jailed for long periods of time. I want to know how many, because see, that's what they did to the defendants on J6. right? Universally, they went after them. Like, Are they going to go after these people in the same way? Of course not because these people fit the official narrative. So you're dealing with some of the most evil people in the country, people like Rashida Tlaib, people like these university administrators, people like these university professors, people who are fomenting this stuff in our high schools. These are evil people. And sometimes they don't look like evil people. They look like regular people. And they're, they might be like your neighbor, but they hold evil opinions. They support and they justify the behavior of a terrible terrorist group like Hamas. Sometimes evil is not quite that obvious and sometimes it's hidden. You know, sometimes, and I'll, I'll call it like I see it, sometimes Satan disguises himself really well. And if you want to see a situation where somebody who is actually a really bad person, I think a pretty evil person, does a really good job of disguising it, you need to look no further than my former home state of California and look at Governor Gavin Grusom. Gavin Grusom, he's not running for president for sure, right? No not running for president at all, except for he's about to head over to Israel. That seems weird for the governor of California, doesn't it? Except for he just vetoed over 150 bills in California that were a legislative list of liberal what's what, everything that they love. He, he vetoed those things because he wants to be popular in the national limelight.
Like, I wish I could tell you that Governor Gavin Grusin was a hardcore died in the wool liberal. He's not. I don't think he even knows what he is. I don't think, I don't believe that Gavin Grusin has a political ideology. I think his political ideology is his personal aspiration to power. And when you look at somebody in the country that should not be elevated in any way, certainly any higher than he is, but he shouldn't be governor of California. Look at the guy who destroyed the state of California, right? It was bad. He's made it much worse. Look at the guy who destroyed the city of San Francisco. It was already going that way, but he made it much worse. And now he's trying to elevate himself and he is absolutely looking to run for president. He's just waiting for Joe Biden to have that one fall down the steps on Air Force One, break his neck, have a stroke, whatever it is. He's out of the race. Gavin Newsom's in in that moment. And I would tell you, watch him closely and understand that he is a formidable political foe. Anybody that thinks Gavin Newsom can be easily beaten, you're, you're on a fool's errand. You're deluding yourself. He's smart. He's handsome. He's got money. And he is a great talker. He knows how to talk. He is slick. He is smooth. He knows how to read the political winds. And because he has no ideology, super easy for him to blow in the wind, say the right thing to the right people at the right time. So you need to watch Gavin Gruesome. You need to know what he's up to. And any politician that's going to face off against him needs to be uh, beware. Don't underestimate Gavin Gruesome. I want to talk a little bit about something positive since there's so much negative stuff out there right now. And that is, I want to talk a little bit about my friends at Patriot Academy. You know how much I love Rick Green and uh, Kara Green and Reagan and Faith Green. Reagan and Faith work for me. Uh, the whole family. I mean, I just, Cameron is just a wonderful, talented young woman. Rhett is an incredible, he's actually, most people don't know this, he's really funny. He's a great comedian. He's a great guitar player. He's doing great video work and, and graphics work for Patriot Academy. I love the whole family. Trey helps run the business. He and his wife are wonderful people. That family has become an extension of the Meckler family and vice versa. I mean, we love to work together. We love to celebrate together. We love to break bread together, praise the Lord together. We're going to be doing more and more together. I called Rick last week and said, we just need to make more content together because we have a lot of fun doing it. You guys react really well to it. So I'm going to be headed out there and spending some time with Rick sitting out by the campfire He's got a new show. It's a, on our subscription channel. Uh, it's called The Tavern. And he interviews some incredibly great guests and gets real, gets real real with them about what's really facing our country, what's really important, how we really fix it. Rick's a great interviewer. He's a real genuine person. So I recommend you go over to uh, patriotacademy.tv and you can sign up. You can become a subscriber to The Tavern. I'll have some content on there with Rick. Rick and I are going to have a lot more stuff going on in the future. If you've never signed up for one of their constitutional defense courses, they've got a new campus out in Fredericksburg. It's incredible. It's a couple hours from here. Uh, Patty and I spend time out there with them. By the way, in our new our new features, Rick and I, one of the things we decided we're going to do, we both love firearms, firearms training, everything gun-related. We're going to do some gun stuff. And we don't claim to be the greatest gun experts in the world. We're regular guys who love firearms. That's kind of going to kind of be the theme. One of the first things we're going to do that we've got in the can is we're going to talk about everyday carry. What do you carry every day? If, you, if you're in a place where you can carry every day, why do you carry that gun? How do you carry? There's a lot of controversy around all these topics. So we're just regular guys. We're just going to explore guns and topics around guns and the Second Amendment. 
So God, guns, and grassroots politics, because that's what we do. So again, go check them out at patriotacademy.tv and sign up. In the coming week, I'm going to travel a little bit. I'm going to be in Indiana speaking at a church on, uh, I think it's Thursday night. On Friday, I'm flying off to Nashville for some meetings in Nashville. So two states. It's not that busy of a week. I'm hitting two states. So, uh, and then I'll hopefully be home for the weekend. That's the plan. Let's go to Q&A before we close it out tonight. Uh, Jane S. says, why not just make Jim Jordan temporary speaker? I'm all for that. I love Jim Jordan. I just say, get a speaker. Uh, you know, some people talk about Patrick McHenry. He's currently the temporary speaker, I guess. I, I'm fine with him as temporary speaker. Just get your act together and get a speaker and start to do the work that you need to do for your constituents, for your party, and for the American people. Deron or Darren Allen asks, why is the world not jailing Fauci and everyone involved in COVID? I don't have an answer. I think they should. I think we're getting closer. Uh, I think there's some good investigation going on. Obviously, uh, Rand Paul is the one who is on Fauci's trail. I don't think he's going to give up on that. I know Senator Ron Johnson is all over this too. I'm hoping eventually that we see Fauci jailed. I think he needs to pay for his crimes. I think he's incredibly corrupt. I think a lot of people died because of Fauci and, and what he and his ilk did, National Institutes of Health. Everybody that was involved in the COVID cover-up I think they should go to jail. It's really infuriating to me. Uh, Eric Hatfield, Erica Hatfield asks, which state will pass the COS resolution next? By the way, Erica is our incredible state director here in the state of Texas. Uh, Erica, man, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. I would throw out, maybe it's Kansas. Uh, maybe Kansas, we get the, the judgment that we need to say that that's actually passed. I think that's already passed. Uh, there's some controversy around that. We're working out through the legal process. Might be North Carolina. It's possible it's North Carolina. We keep passing the House, haven't passed the Senate. Uh, it's hard to say exactly what's going to be the next state to pass. I, you know, and I don't want to bet on any given state because all of you are in the states that haven't passed yet. It's going to be up to you guys. Go out there and get in the fight. Go to conventionofstates.com, sign the petition, sign up to be part of the army. And then if you want to get involved, and you should get involved because I'm not going to fix the country on my own. If you want to get involved, click on the Take Action tab. Sign up to be a volunteer. We need you. We need more and more volunteers. We're going to an election year here. Uh, you guys are going to be needed out there as poll workers, poll watchers, election judges, get out the vote activists. Get involved. Don't just sit on the sidelines and complain. And of course, go to conventionofstates.com forward slash store. Look at all the great gear. We've lowered a bunch of prices. Lots of cool stuff there. Hats, shirts, mugs, bumper stickers, you name it, everything you need. Go out there and be a convention of state supporter. Whatever you do, get involved because we need you. I need you. It's like the old thing. I feel like Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam needs you to save the country. God bless you guys. And we'll see you next week on The Battle Cry. This has been the podcast version of The Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. Visit conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. Thank you for listening. <laughs>